I would see these amazing dynamic women, incredibly gifted, doing all of these great things in other spheres. And it was like they walked into the church and they checked their gifts at the door. And because I wasn't raised in a Christian home, it was really disorienting for me. I didn't know I didn't know what to do with it. And so I just tried to behave like I saw other women behaving. And God just slowly kept speaking truth into my heart, sending women into my path and actually sending men into my path that were calling out truth and leadership and gifting in me and and kind of pulling me along the path and opening doors for me. Hey, I'm Mary DeMuth, and this is The Restory Show, and today I'm welcoming Jody Nisnik. She's the author of Galatians, not really just all Galatians, but the, st- the study's called Galatians, Discovering Freedom in Christ Through Daily Practice, and she wrote that with Sue Edwards, and she's the author of three other Bible studies and also a good friend and someone who deeply encourages me. So Jody, thank you so much for coming on The Restory Show today. Thanks for having me. Super fun. So uh, give the listeners a little bit about your hero origin story, about where you grew up and how you met Christ and husband, kids, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and I did not grow up in a Christian home. And I actually met Jesus at a summer camp when I was 13 years old in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and uh, sat around a campfire, heard the gospel, and I knew knew, knew deep in my soul. It was true. My 13 year old soul was longing for a savior. <laughs> and so it was, um, yeah, I'll remember, I remember even the way the night smelled. It was just a beautiful, uh, experience for me. So, but I came back from that into again, a home where I didn't even own a Bible, had no, uh, context for my faith, didn't know how to do any of that. So I didn't really start, um, growing in my faith until later in high school when I got involved with Young Life and then when I moved and went to college and actually got to explore my faith on my own. Um, And then it was in college, I met my husband. Uh, We actually met at the same camp where I became a Christian, which was really fun. So I I say I met the two loves of my life at this camp. (laughs) I met Jesus and I met Tim. And uh, I was 20 when we met, so we were, I was really young and uh, we got married when I was 22, and then we uh, had, did the kid thing really fast. Uh, six months later, we were pregnant. We tried this thing called natural family planning, <laughs> which didn't work for us. <laughs> and so we have our natural family. And uh, yeah, so we have uh, two daughters. They are 21 and 19. She'll be 20 in May. So um, that's a little bit of my journey. Very cool. And so I love that you met your husband at the same place you met Christ. What a what a cool thing. I think that's just so interesting. Do you ever go back there or have you gone back there? Yeah, actually, my younger daughter worked there last summer. And that was really fun. So we went back for a weekend and visited her and saw the camp director, um, who was the one who preached the gospel to me. And so it was just this really sweet time for my husband and I to be there. And we walked her around the camp. And we're like, this is the first place dad held my hand. Yeah, it was really, so it was just a really fun memory lane trip for us to, to be there. And it's just such a special place. Camping is a really magical thing. I think uh, for kids that get the opportunity to do it, it's just, I mean, it's a place that you get to be you and explore 
who you are apart from all the baggage of home. And, uh, and so it was just really fun to be back there and kind of just see how much it, that place made an impact on me and just even that it was making an impact on my daughter. So yeah, we've, we've gone back. It was fun. That's really cool. And you probably know a bit about my story, but I met Christ at a Young Life camp at 15. So I just have a really special place in my heart for Young Life and also for camps. I think it's, you're right. It's a really beautiful way for people to meet Christ. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. So what story do you want to share with Restory listeners today? Yeah. So I've been thinking and praying about this and I want to talk a little bit about my ministry journey as a woman. So I'm a pastor at our church uh, here in Irving, Texas, and I've been a pastor for nine years now. And uh, it's been a really wild journey, especially being a woman. And there's been some things that have come back up kind of in the uh, social media blogosphere world about what women can and can't do again. And every time that happens, I, I feel like I have to give myself a hard look in the mirror and, um, and ask some hard questions about what has God called me to do? Am I pushing boundaries that I'm not supposed to? And I'm um, just kind of re-examine some th- things. So I just wanted to maybe share a little bit about my journey as a woman uh, in ministry in that way. I would, I just am really excited about hearing that story. And I'm reminded of a time when I was in my twenties and I, I really felt the call to ministry. And in my mind, I was like, well, that can't happen because I'm a girl. <laughs> and, you know, it just, and it took me de- a couple decades to embrace the fact that God might be actually calling me to, to speak and to share and in a public way. And, and that was such a, I was confused by it all. So share, how did you have that kind of experience as well? I'm just curious. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I just figured what he was calling to me, me too, would be much smaller than what he's actually asked me to do. Um, so if you know, I don't, I don't know the best way to say it, but I really tried to shove myself into uh, this box that I thought women should be in, in the evangelical world. So I tried my hardest to um, be this kind of subservient woman who followed the men and who um, listened quietly and who um, did all the domestic duties and who, uh, you know, and it, it was really, really hard on me. Um, I, loved mothering. I I love mothering. I love my, my girls. And I had space to really, um, take some time away to be with them as my primary focus the first few years of their lives. Um, but I don't think any of us, my husband or my daughters, or I would have been happy if I continued to make them the primary focus (laughs) uh, without fulfilling some of the calling that God had placed on me and using the gifts that he had given me. Um, and so it was really, it's been a frustrating or I should say the early part of that journey was really frustrating for me to figure out how do I honor God? Because here's what, here's what I was seeing is I would see these amazing dynamic women, incredibly gifted, doing all of these great things in other spheres. And it was like they walked into the church and they checked their gifts at the door and, and sat down. And, and I was just, I, because I wasn't raised in a Christian home, it was really um, disorienting for me. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do with it, and so I just tried to behave like I saw other women behaving. Uh, and God just slowly 
kept speaking truth into my heart, um, sending women into my path and actually sending men into my path uh, that were calling out truth and leadership and gifting in me and, and kind of pulling me along the path and opening doors for me. Uh, and, and I have an amazing husband who, uh, was raised in a church that actually had female pastors. And so he's, he's always been 10 steps ahead of me. He's never had an issue with it. And, um, and so that's been a a huge gift as well, but yeah, it's, it's been a challenge. Yeah. I I remember just, you know, listening and reading and searching and seeking and praying and reading the scriptures and all of that. And I'm sure that's part of the journey that you experienced as well Is so you go to some of those Pauline passages about, you know, being quiet and it's, it's disconcerting because if you love Jesus and you want to follow him wholeheartedly, no matter what that means, you just say, I lay it down. I, I don't have to have this. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do this. How did you get to a point of reconciling the calling that God kept nudging you toward versus verses like that, where it seemed to be saying no? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, part of it is um, I went to seminary. And so I actually did intentional study on these passages. And I um, read thousands of pages about uh, what women should and shouldn't do and everybody's opinion about it. And, um, you know, I I noticed that um, I was okay, actually, with people saying women should do this or shouldn't do that as long as they covered it in grace. and I would read other authors that would say women should be silent in the church. It's so very clear. And, and, you know, and they, they, and here's what that means. And they would start to unpack that, you know, uh, women should let men lead. In fact, women shouldn't even drive if men are in the car. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. You know, I mean, probably a little archaic, but I remember reading that and just wanting to throw this book across the room. I was so frustrated with it. And, um, but I just, I just kept digging and I just kept ac- asking people that I really respected, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And kept digging into the cultural context. And, um, you know, I have a high value for the word. I, I believe it is, is God's word to us. And it is, it is every word of it is true. And every word of it is from him. Um, and so, like you just said, I, if, if that's what it says, then I'm going to honor it. Um, because I want to honor Jesus and I want to stand before him someday and say, I, I did everything I could that you asked me to do. And I didn't step out of bounds. Um, but the more I kept reading about these passages, um, that Paul was saying, I realized that there is actual cultural context for these passages that makes them a little gray. Uh, is it really for the intended, just that original audience, or was it for all of time and all of space and all of history? And um, I believe that there is enough gray area that we can read those passages to be cultural context um, for that day and age and, and not for all of time and history. The other thing too, is you start to walk through scripture and you see woman after woman after woman, um, especially in this patriarchal culture um, I was thinking of Deborah the other day, uh, you know, this, this judge <laughs> leads the nation of Israel. And I mean, she is leading the entire nation. And this is in a highly patriarchal culture. And God makes sure that we see her name in scripture. Um, and, and, and just woman after woman, um, Miriam is called a prophet, you know, and, 
and then you go into the New Testament and there's all these other women. And, and so I just feel like God, there's this kind of sacred echo through scripture that God wants us to see um, in the midst of these small handful of passages that seem to be very limiting to women. I think you read through the whole context of scripture and you start to see, again, the sacred echo of women that basically call out to us from the past and exhort us to lean in and do what God is asking us to do. Um, the other verse that's that's really been impactful for me lately um, is just thinking through the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And why would Jesus send half of the workers into the harvest field? Um, it's just, that's not the heart of our God. And so, uh, so I, I've, yeah, I've gotten to a place where I have no problem um, doing what the Lord has called me to do. I shouldn't say no problem because I, I still have to reconcile it every once in a while, but I believe firmly that if you have a gift of teaching and preaching, uh, then you need to use it and whatever context. And it may be for kids. It may be for women. It may be for young adults. It may be for the entire church, but you need to use it where God's calling you to use it. So that's been how I've reconciled that. Well, and you've talked a little bit about culture and and we look through the lens of the Jewish culture. We look through the New Testament lens and the Romans around that. And, and yet I think we forget that we also are saturated in our own culture uh, here in the United States. And even just the little bit that you shared that you had the ability to be home with your kids when they were young or you were with them. Uh, that's actually kind of a Western thing. Like I, I counted it as a privilege. I also had that same beautiful journey and I'm so grateful that I was able to be home with my kids and nurture them. I don't regret that at all, but I also now understand that that is a position of privilege that, um, that most women throughout the world don't have the luxury of, of staying home unless they're working like crazy to put food on the table and so how, how do you, when you look at the American church, particularly with this issue of women, how does American cultural Christianity play into our exegesis of those scriptures? Or how have you seen it done well or not done well? That's a really interesting question. I mean, I think, I, I think we can't not read it through our culture. It's right. all we know. <laughs> True. And so, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, so... I mean, even just looking into the difference between Eastern and Western culture, um, you know, the Eastern culture is so much more family oriented, intertwined, and we, we're so independent here in the West. Um, and, you know, I have a friend that's been kind of exposing some of that to me, just how I, how I do things. And, and it's helped me actually read scripture a little differently when I start to see what God's talking about um, just in how community is expressed in the, in the early church and some of those things as well. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I just don't think we can't even read it without reading it through our culture. And so I do think it is. Yeah. I mean, when, when someone says that a, a woman should stay home, I, I think that's absolutely ridiculous because there are all kinds of reasons that it is not appropriate for a woman to stay home and not work and be gainfully employed and support her family. Um, what if her husband's incapacitated? What if she actually 
is the one who's been given the job that earns the money. Can he stay home? That doesn't make him any less manly. You know, my neighbor across the street, she works and he's at home and it's, a, you know, he's, he's a military guy. It's not, you know, it's not like he's not just sitting around. It's so I just think to start to impose these cultural things on us is, is very short-sighted and, and actually really damaging. Um, you know, part of my work is, is pastoring um, women and leading in women's Bible studies here at, um, is, is helping women unpack some of that baggage that they've kind of been carrying around of what they can and can't do um, based on what people have told them. Yeah. And I think um, part of our job as followers of Christ is, is to really look back and watch, I mean, you, you hinted at this as well, watch how Jesus interacted with women in the New Testament. And, I, and I'm always fascinated by it. I wrote a book about it and I, um, I, I just see how much he crossed all his personal cultural, you know, realms just to walk across the room and hang out with someone who uh, the culture deemed as, you know, kind of left out or un- not even noticed, unnoticed maybe. I, I love that book, by the way. You did an excellent job Thank on you. that. And um, yeah, so I, I do think Jesus, especially in the culture that he was in, the way he treated women, um, the way he elevated them. I mean, they were the first missionaries, basically disciples that went, went and told everybody he's risen, he's alive. I mean, Busted. He put the entire gospel rested it on the shoulders of these women. Uh, that says a lot about our God that He would choose women to do that for Him. Um, and so, yeah, and and even just accepting um, Mary sitting at His feet as as a, as a student, as a, a a learner, and saying, "No, this is you're actually choosing the very best thing." Um, so yeah, I see Jesus do it over and over again. It, and it makes me just love him more and more um, because of how I see him treat people that have been cast aside. And in that day and age, it was women, but it was also all of the other people that were cast aside. He just goes after them in such a beautiful way throughout the New Testament or throughout the Gospels. So as you think about this journey of kind of walking into the fullness of the ministry God's called you to, do you, can you recount a story where you, where someone discouraged you from walking forward? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you don't need to name names. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've had quite a few. So when I, when I felt called to seminary, uh, I had one man pull me aside and look me in the eye and basically say, why would you go to seminary? You're a woman, basically. And so why would you need that kind of training? What would you even do with that? Um, and that was really hard for me. Um, yeah. And I've had, I've had other people, um, you know, even professors at school teaching this and saying, you know, well, in, you know, if you're teaching people and women, if you're only teaching women, of course, you know, that's, you know, and just so like these little kind of side comments, well-meaning, um, because that's what they believe. Uh, but yeah, it, there's, there's been multiple times where it has been discouraging. Um, usually it's not in the context of relationship. The people that I've been in relationship with have actually been 
I should say the men that I have been in relationship with have actually been the people that are holding open the doors um, and saying, oh, actually, no, we need you in here. Uh, we see your gifts and, uh, and we need we need our brothers and sisters to lead together. Um, so I'm in a, a church that really affirms that. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing to um, be with brothers that I don't sit down with them and think, Oh, here I am the token woman. Or, uh, you know, I actually, I just feel like I'm a co-laborer with them. I don't feel like they're my brothers. I love them. I think they love me as their sister and we value each other and we value each other's voice. So it, it's never really been a, in the context of a, a meaningful relationship where somebody has tried to tell me no or not to do something, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's such a great point that we can kind of camp on a little bit right now is in the world of social media where we're yelling at each other all the time and never listening. Um, I think this issue can be extremely divisive uh, in that context, but if we sit around the table with people and begin to just talk I think there's some beautiful things that can happen over table theology or table spirituality, but we've lost it in this world. Um, how how have you found that to be true in social media? And how have you been able to either pull away from it or winsomely engage? Or have you just kind of divorced yourself from it all? Yeah, I feel like I, because there's a lot of people that are really heated in that conversation. Uh, I don't feel like unless I'm in relationship with them, I'm going to make a significant contribution other than what's already happened. And it's going to take a pretty high emotional toll on me and distract me from other things that I'm supposed to do. So that's been my philosophy. I'll read it a little bit. I'll engage, I'll read the articles. Um, but I won't get too lost in all the back and forth commenting. Um, just because it's not good for my heart. (laughs) Uh, and so that's, that's kind of how I've handled it. Why do you think that this is such a big issue in the church? Why? I, I mean, I, I guess in, f- from me looking at it from the outside, I would say people would say, well, if you believe that a woman can teach, then you don't believe the Bible. And so therefore it's a biblical issue. And, and the admonition would be, well, then you're not, if you're going to throw out those scriptures then you're going to throw out all sorts of scriptures, and then you're just going to go down the slippery slope of hating scripture. So how do you... <laughs> I mean, that's how it kind of comes out. So how do you reconcile that? Or how do you talk about that or write about that in a way that is that addresses it with intelligence and with humility? Well, I mean, I think, first of all, do we have enough of a relationship to actually have right. that conversation? <laughs> sure. um, and if so, then then let's sit down and read some of these scriptures together and let's read some people that have thoughtful opinions on both sides and dialogue about it. Anytime that I've actually entered into a really thoughtful conversation with someone who's been willing to consider something else, um, it has, they have gone, oh, I actually had not seen that before. And they'll bring something to me and I'll say, okay, well, that's an interesting argument as well. And so I think if I have to also be willing to hear what they have to say. And so, I mean, that's, that's how that's happened. Um, yeah, but there's some great resources out there. Um, in fact, our church has an amazing document that we um, put online about 10 years ago. That would be um, fun for you to link to maybe if you wanted to, but uh, it's basically just like an eight or 10 page document that runs through briefly, hey, 
here's what was happening in the cultural context that this was written in. Um, here's what these verses say, and here's what we believe about that. And very high value of scripture again. And um, so, I mean, I I usually pull that out because it's so well written and it's concise. Uh, you know, because everything else are these tomes, yes. basically thousands yes. of. <laughs> You know, and people are like, uh, they kind of glaze over. I can't read all that. So I just think a really concise, quick document. And there's lots of good things out there. Um, now, lots of people have written um, stuff about it. So uh, yeah, that's usually where I go with that. That's helpful. And it is nice when you have something that is not uh, so verbose, because, uh, you know, all of us have read all these things. And uh, all sorts of words about that. One of the things I remember that uh, Patrick, my husband, has taught in our life group at our church has been just really helpful for me. He learned it at seminary, at Dallas Seminary, and um, the the teacher basically drew a bullseye on the board with you know concentric circles, and in the middle of that bullseye is the gospel. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died in our place, and he rose again. And, uh, you know, just kind of that whole narrative is in that center circle. But as you go out from those concentric circles are kind of places where we would not be willing to die for, and we could logically and with love divide over, not, I don't like the word divide, but disagree over. Yeah. Discuss it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think there's lots of issues like that, like what you view your role, you know, in terms of what women can or cannot do. You might look at the um, sign gifts, speaking in tongues as one of those, um, just some of these peripheral things that, yeah, they're there, but they're not the centrality of the gospel. And we can always have that connection and conviviality with people who love the gospel. And that's where I like to bring it back to is the common ground of, I don't, you know, and I think the other thing too, and, and maybe you experience this as well, is I look back at myself at 23 years old or 27 years old or 32 years old, and I think, wow, that girl had some weird theology, <laughs> but she learned stuff and I'll never have perfect theology. And I need to have compassion on 23-year-old me and understand that we're all on a journey. We're all changing the way we think about things as we grow more wise in scripture and the way we handle it. How would you, uh, have you found that to be your experience as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm always, I'm always learning. Gosh, if, if we ever think we've arrived, <laughs> then we are totally delusional. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it is just absolutely, I'm, I'll read something new or, I mean, and that's just, that's just the goodness of God and the living word is when we open it up and we read something that I've underlined three times in my Bible and all of a sudden something different uh, is kind of revealed to me and, and draws me in. And because that's, that's because what the Holy spirit needs to teach me at that time and, um, and, and draw my attention to. So, uh, oh yeah, my theology has been changing. Uh, not the essentials though. And I love that, that, diagram that you've got there is, is what do we, what are the essentials of our faith? And I find that that circle is actually getting smaller and smaller things that I used to think were essential. I'm like, Oh yeah, but that's actually not Jesus, son of God, come to the world, died, resurrected. You know, I mean, it's like that there's just, there's not a whole lot else that I'm going to put into that essential circle. Um, and you know, and it was interesting when you were talking, one of the moments I had, um, that was so beautiful that exemplifies this to me of this kind of outer circle 
um, where we should have discussion, but we should also have a lot of grace because we are still brothers and sisters in Christ together. Um, is my um, my previous pastor? Um, I was sitting and having coffee with him. He, he's a kind of a spiritual father to me in so many ways. I grew up under him, received my calling in the ministry under him, and um, and he's just been a really influential person in my life. And I was telling him that I would was invited to preach at the church. And it was the first time I was going to do that. And, um, and I asked him what he thought of it. And he looked me in the eye and said in the most beautiful, honest, gracious way, well, Jody, that's between you and the Lord. And, and I believed him, <laughs> you know, and it was just this moment of, I felt fully loved and accepted. I felt um, cheered on by him, but I don't think he agreed with me theologically about that. And it was, it was just this really sweet moment of, of like, that's what unity in Christ looks like. That's how we do this for each other. It was really good. I love that. And I, you know, I think about just all my relationships. I don't agree with all my relationships a hundred percent of the time. And that would be weird. We'd be like Stepford friends and that would not be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nope. Not good at all. (laughs) So um, as we wrap up, this part of the Restory show, what advice would you give to someone who's gone through a similar experience? And, and this isn't just limited to women. I think it would be limited to, to simply people who feel a call on their life and their life and they're encountering roadblocks. So what kind of advice would you give to someone in that situation? Yeah. So I think um, callings are long. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I, I felt the Lord speak into my life um, part of what I could handle for what he was calling me to. And and that was taking the next step. And that next step was going to seminary and, and getting uh, training for ministry. But I remember um, it was 10 years from the moment that I kind of had this <laughs> I mean, you, I think we just, if, if we even get one, it's, it's very few if we get more kind of moments where there's just this real clarity from the Lord on something we're supposed to do. It's almost like, um, it's almost the audible voice. It's not, but, um, and I, and I'd had that moment with the calling piece for me. Um, and I remember, um, 10 years later sitting at, um, the church that I'm at, um, and sitting kind of in my little office space. And it just hit me. It's been 10 years, 10 years of preparation for me to actually be ready to do, because I had just moved into a new role at the church to do that role. Um, He had been preparing me for, and it's not like I went dormant for 10 years. There was, there was good work to be done every step of the way. Um, But it was all in preparation for that. Um, but it was also really sweet because at that moment, I also felt like him saying, but you have not arrived. <laughs> uh, there's there, this is not the end. Um, there is so much more that I have for you to do and I'm calling you into. And so, um, I guess my advice is, um, it, this is, this is a lifelong pursuit. Um, what does God want us to do? How do we respond to him today? Um, you know, being diligent to do some of the hard work that we may need to do to prepare and equip and educate ourselves. Um, and knowing that, you know, I, I mean, you, you know, this, if, if you're called to write a book, 
it's not like it just happens. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it would. Know, right. And it's also not like it just gets published and turned into a bestseller. Like those, all of those things, um, or even the publishing and, and the having people read it and having their lives impacted by it. All of those things are long, long journeys. Um, and I think, I think that's a little bit hard sometimes for us because, um, we, we want to know what God wants us to do and then, okay, then let's go do it right now. <laughs> so I guess my advice is one step at a time. Take the long view. <laughs> yep. I love that. Now, how has God, to keep it uh, present tense, how has God restoried you or given you a new story in the past year? Yeah. So this past year has been really interesting for me. Uh, I feel like he is helping me learn more about who I am. And, um, I'm still having to press into some, oh, ideas that I have about what I should and shouldn't do as a woman. Uh, so like I said, I, I lead with some amazing brothers who invite me into the room and into conversations with them all the time. Um, but I have started to use my voice to, um, speak up a little bit more and to challenge a little bit more, um, and to make some needed changes that, or to say some hard things, maybe that's what it is. Um, and I, I'm always a little bit astonished <laughs> that the Lord's asking me to say those hard things because it doesn't feel very feminine to me, um, to be the person in the room that has to say, Hey, here's the really hard thing. I think we all need to hear. And, um, but I'm also learning that that's actually who he's made me to be. Um, and he's, he's, I, you know, of course I use my voice hopefully with grace, um, but with clarity and I've been challenged to look at that as a gift, um, that perhaps here's the other thing that's been really interesting for me and how God's restoring me is the thoughts. I think, I just think everybody else thinks those thoughts because I'm thinking them. <laughs> and so <Right. laughs> I, I say something and, and my, I, I have a friend who challenges me on this and she's like, yeah, but you do understand not everybody else thinks that way. And I'm like, well, but it's just what I thought, you know? And so uh, he's, so the Lord is like, he's challenging me to lean in a little bit more, uh, to challenge a little bit more. Um, I'm, I don't know if you've done any work on the Enneagram, um, but I am an eight on the Enneagram, which is the challenger. <laughs> and at first I took the Enneagram, uh, you know, little profile thing and started doing some reading about it. And I was like, oh, well, that is obviously not me. I'm the fun person. <laughs> and and I, the more I've read about it and just even observed my behavior and how I've, I like, I can't not speak when there's something that I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart to say. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess that is me. So he's been restoring me now to lean more into um, being brave and bold and speaking truth um, into circumstances that are hard. Um, but for the good of his church, um, for the love of his church, for um, to help, to help his church move forward in whatever way he wants. Uh, it doesn't mean that my words are always right. And in fact, usually we collaborate and we come up to a better place um, when we, when we dialogue about things together, but um, it's been, yeah, that's been really challenging for me this year. 
I love that. I think we're always kind of growing into ourselves. And yeah, I think we all want to be like the fun person at the party, but sometimes uh, we're called to other things. And um, <laughs> I just think I'm a lot more fun than I really am. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep that delusion alive. I, know. <laughs> I think you're super fun. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have moments, but. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Jody, for being on the Restory Show. And if you'd like to continue to hear stories like hers, consider being a Patreon sponsor. Watch for new exclusive benefits for patrons, including a secret podcast just for you every month. And you'll find a Patreon button in the show. And so thanks so much for listening to the Restory Show today. Mind if I pray for you. And so I'll pray for Jody and for everyone that's listening today. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity where we can hear someone's story of working through calling and pursuing uh, seminary and, and uh, walking into what you've called them into, into doing. And Lord, um, I pray for the person listening today who is struggling against calling and who is uh, maybe hurting from what other people have said or they've had discouraging roadblocks. And I pray that uh, maybe this conversation could have been a deep encouragement to them. And Lord, help us all to come to your word with humility and with honor and with uh, a deep sense of joy. We thank you so much for what you've taught us in your Bible and and uh, what it shows about what you have done in this earth, how you've restored us and you've restoried us. And so I, I just pray, Lord, that we would um, continue to embrace the story you have for us and that we would long to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray for that today, and we pray for that in our lives, and even in the minutia of our lives, we pray that your kingdom would come. So I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. And so, hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening. And uh, if you want to record your own story up to four minutes, you can go to marydemuth.com. And on the right-hand side, there's this little... Uh, this little thing was a little microphone and you can record up to four minutes of a story and we'll add it on to the end of one of our episodes. And if you'd like to know more about today's show, you can go to restoryshow.com for the latest episode information and may you live a brand new story this week.